0: Hello and welcome to Kick It, Spoomers. My guest today is Gulan Fernandez. After experiencing the death of many close family members, Gulan began to no longer be productive at work and was not able to find peace. She quit her job and went on a journey to find joy in her life again. Her journey eventually led her to become a grief transition coach. Welcome, Golan. How are you today?
1: I'm really well, uh, Terry. Thank you so much for inviting me and giving me an opportunity to share my experiences and be a beacon of hope to other people going through grief.
0: I think we really need that right now. There's a lot of grieving people and not a lot of help out there. They don't really know where to turn. So I think your message today is going to be really important. So let's Thank start you. by sharing your story with my audience about your law, lo- your early losses and how they led to your new career as a grief transformation coach.
1: Thank you. So I grew up thinking that old people die and other people die. So it came as a great shock to me when I was 13, when my mum died. Um, She just got it into her head uh, that she wanted to go back to Pakistan to visit her family. And people said to her, how can you go off? You've got six children. The youngest one is five. But she was really determined. And I sometimes wonder if she had some kind of premonition because she'd seen something on TV, I think, which said that if you died in the UK, they would put you in the freezer and cut you up. And she was obviously referring to uh, an autopsy, right. which only happens under suspicious circumstances. Right. But that was like, just put the fear of, you know, fear in her. And um, and she was a devout Muslim and she really decided she wanted to go and me- visit Mecca she wanted to see her family. And um, on the day she was leaving, we were all quite happy because she was taking the youngest one with her. We were quite used to looking after each other. We had relatives in the in the street and good neighbors. And we thought, oh, we'll be able to have a lot of fun. Um, but just as she was about to leave, I had this sudden urge. It just kind of welled up to tell her that I loved her and give her a hug. But then this practical voice popped up and said, and I looked around, saw all the people who were gathered to say bye to her, and I heard this in a practical voice, oh, don't make a fuss. She'll be back in six weeks. so I listened to that voice. I ignored my my heart, and then I regretted it for years because she wasn't back in six weeks. Sadly, while she was on holiday, um, she got typhoid and she died. And... Things were complicated by the fact that in those days, um, you know, there was there were no Zoom links and <laughs> WhatsApp calls, and so we didn't get a chance to say goodbye. But more than that, we didn't get a chance to be at the funeral. We didn't get a chance to see the body. Mm. So for a long time, it was really hard to actually believe that she had died. And I would get these recurring nightmares where she'd turn up in my in my dream and it would feel really real. And she'd say, oh, no, my Dad and I had a bit of a fallout. I didn't really die. Anyway, we've made up and I'm back. And I'd be like, mm. she didn't die. And then, obviously, I'd wake up and go, oh, she has died. It got so ridiculous. In my dream, I'd be pinching myself because I'd remember it was a dream, and then because I'd pinch myself, I'd be going, oh, this time it's real. <laughs> and i <I'd> pinch myself, <laughs> but obviously. So that that made things difficult. The other thing that made things difficult was a neighbor trying to be helpful said to me when I obviously heard the news and I started crying, she said, oh, you mustn't cry. Uh, you've got to be strong for your brothers and sisters. Now we don't really talk much about grief or death or dying and so I didn't understand what's good information and what's bad information so I just believed what she said and I tried to handle my grief that way I every time I wanted to cry I'd say, oh I mustn't cry I've got to be strong for my brothers and sisters she said it one time mm-hmm. but I took it on as a belief and I'd be saying that to myself for years mm-hmm. I got to age thirty before I realized that grief doesn't Time's not the healer. It doesn't just go away with time. If there are unresolved, unprocessed issues like I had, every time I thought of my mom, I'd be back in that spot where I'm listening to my practical voice and ignoring my heart. And then I'm having lots of regrets and being cross with myself. Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I tell her? Why didn't I give her a hug? And it's as if that whole relationship was just frozen in that moment of time. So every time I thought of my mum, that's all I could think of. I couldn't think about all the fond memories we'd had or or anything else. I just get back into that loop of why didn't I why didn't I all that right. um so that went on till I was around age 30 when my older brother died very suddenly from a massive heart attack. I think he had some kind of underlying condition, but in those days Uh, I mean, I'm 66 now, so we're talking about a long time ago, (laughs) years ago. um, We didn't understand about heart disease. We didn't understand that if you don't manage your lifestyle or you smoke too much or you don't exercise, you eat rich foods, you, you you have a lot of stress, that that does not help. So on top of his underlying condition, he had all those lifestyle things going on. And so when he started getting chest pains, we didn't recognize the symptoms of heart disease now. We're much more aware. But he thought he had some kind of chest infection mm. and was planning to go to see the doctor But in the afternoon, but in the morning he collapsed. Mm. And I think by the time he reached hospital, he had um, they couldn't revive him. So that came as a huge shock to me for two reasons. One was he was about a year and a half older than me, so suddenly death became real.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like
1: he just died just like that. And that could happen to me. So my belief of old people die and other people die was suddenly shattered. Mm. Um, and then on top of that, I realized that unresolved grief will sit there for years until something happens and then it resurfaces. So although I'd found coping mechanisms and some of them helpful, some of them not so helpful, I hadn't actually dealt with that um, undelivered communication and the regrets I had about it. So not only did I have to deal with the grief of my brother being suddenly, you know, had suddenly died, um, all the unresolved grief around my mother then also came up. And then on top of that, death became very real and I became very fearful of death and dying. Mm. Um, so that th- that's what threw me into a real spin. And that's when I realized I wasn't coping very well. I was still going around trying to be strong for everybody. Right. But my colleague, it was so obvious to her that I wasn't coping very well. And she said to me, Gula, how's it going? She was very, uh, what's the word, diplomatic. <laughs> Gulam, how's it going? And I said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm... Uh, keeping myself busy and, um, yeah, you know, it'll get better with time and all those kind of nonsensical things we get told. Um, And she said to me, you know, she decided to go, she said, "Gulam, well, I don't think you're coping very well, actually. I think you should think about taking some time off. And it was all – suddenly it was almost like she gave me permission to not have to be strong and put on a brave front and everything.
0: Right. But when I
1: thought about it, I realized, actually – it didn't feel because everything so everything seemed to be so shattered. I it didn't feel as if taking off a week or a few days or two weeks would be enough. And so I ended up after some consultations and you know deep thinking. I thought what I really need to do is to actually resign from my job. So I haven't got the pressure of coming back go take time out, try and put the pieces together and make sense of what is life all about? Mm -hmm. You know, what happens to you when you die? Where are they? What's happened to them? Uh, And although I had been brought up as a Muslim, all of a sudden I I didn't really know, you know, I mean, I had a very strong sense that there is a creator because there is creation, but all of a sudden it was like, is there a God? What's he like? And uh, everything (laughs) was up in the air. So I resigned from my job and I was getting ready to go traveling. But sadly, my youngest sister, who had done an amazing job of acting strong and being fine, we thought she, out of all of us she was doing really well. Um, but she had a mental breakdown as a delayed grief reaction. And sadly, she became suicidal and depressed. And, and all of a sudden, I didn't really know what to do. Like, oh, should I cancel my trip? Should I take her with me? But I'd never been to India before. So I was like, "Mm, I don't know if she has a relapse, how on earth would I cope? And I thought it could either be really good for her or it might not be. And again, in those days, we knew very little about uh, mental illness and and all that stuff. So it was all outside our experience. Anyway, she finally uh, came through and she was back to being herself. And she said, no, 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 you've got to go. You need this you've handed in your notice, you've booked your ticket, you know, don't cancel it. The family are here, I'll be fine. And because I was so wrapped up in my own grief and struggling to cope, I thought, okay, fair enough. And off I went and I was traveling around India, staying in different ashrams and exploring different things uh, for almost three months. But then I got a message saying, your sister's had a relapse, it would be good for you to get back here. And because I was traveling around on my own, they didn't want to be very um, open about exactly how bad she was. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was so bad. And I thought, "Yeah, yeah, okay, I should head back now anyway. I'm feeling a lot stronger. I'll be able to help her. And I thought I'll ring her to say, look, I'm on my way back. Just hang in there. And they told me that she'd been readmitted to this facility that deals with mental illness and so on. So I thought, I remember my thought was, at least she's safe until I get back. Right. And I tried to call her, but again in those I, I feel like I'm talking about the stage. It was very <laughs> difficult to It was uh, difficult. I understand
0: difficult. very yeah. difficult. Yep. So you
1: rang your local exchange, they rang uh, the main exchange, they rang the international exchange, who rang the local exchange, who rang the place. I just couldn't get through to her. I tried and then this logical part of me popped up and said, You'll see her tomorrow. Uh don't worry about it. But sadly, between me leaving um, and knowing that she was in what I thought a safe place, I mean landing, she'd actually walked out and she'd had another go and she had died. Ugh. So That's I bad. went from thinking, oh, I'm doing much better now, I'll be able to help her, to feeling completely helpless because there's nothing I could do. You know, it was It was not like she was dying or right. she had already died. There was nothing I could do. And then I think, especially when you're dealing with any kind of suicide, then all the regrets and guilts and what ifs and if only started. You know, what if I'd taken her with me? Right. What if I'd gone? What if I'd phoned and got through to her? And so, uh, you know, each grief experience that I went through was unique because of the relationship and because of the circumstances and so on. But I realized that with suicide, it's often you're left with. Lots of feelings of what if and if only, and if I had done this or I hadn't done that. And so I was back to kind of, you know, I went from, okay, I'm feeling strong now, I can re-engage with life, to kind of having another knockback. And then about a year later, uh, my father, uh, he took ill and died. He obviously witnessed two of his children dying. That's not the order in which you expect things to happen. Mm -hmm. And again, he he was supposed to be going on holiday. <clears throat> and he said to me, he said, I've been getting some really bad nightmares and I feel frightened. Um, and he was planning to go visit his family in Pakistan. And he said, you know, I just feel frightened. Sometimes I wake up sweating. And I was thinking, well, maybe he's remembering what happened to my mum. So I remember saying to him, look, you don't have to go you're going for a holiday so don't go if you you know if you're worried about it but if you're going to go remember you don't have to stay if things aren't going to you know how you like just book a ticket and come back um so he went but this time having had all of the regrets about not saying goodbye so i made sure that i told him i loved him we settled i was quite a strong-willed young woman <laughs> Uh, It's hard to believe now, but yeah, we used to kind of get into all sorts of uh, nonsense. And so I thought, I need to make sure everything's settled. So if something happens, I don't have any regrets. And sadly, while he was there, he got sick. So we got a phone call saying, look, he's not well. Then another one saying he's worse. We're taking him to hospital. Mm -hmm. Another one, he's even worse. You better try and come quickly. So while we were trying to get our visas organized and everything, um, he died. And then they said, look, you better try and get here before we bury him. And fortunately, we did manage to get there just about before they actually had the funeral. Um, And then later on, I went, I mean... I forgot to say that sometimes when people hear about all my bereavements in one go, they kind of get worried about what kind of state I'm in and concerned for me. And and I forgot to say, look, I have been on a very long journey and I have been through it and found uh, a way to turn my pain into purpose. And I'm doing fine. I am doing fine. I mean, life has its challenges, but then we face all of those. Right. But you know, you don't need to be concerned or worried about, you know, how I'm doing. Um, Anyway, the next, the next, uh, now grief isn't just about bereavements. Actually, there's all kinds of heartbreaks and changes. Anytime something comes to an end, Mm -hmm. or there's a change in a familiar pattern of behavior, we can get conflicted feelings. Um, So I'm mentioning mainly the bereavements, because obviously that's what You know, sometimes people struggle with even more. So after my father died, I then went on to have three miscarriages. Uh, One was very early on at 12 weeks, and I think the baby just hadn't started to grow. So really, they just, when I delivered, it was just like a sack. The next one, sadly, was uh, over 20 weeks. And I thought at that point that I was safe. I didn't know that actually you still need to be careful uh, and so on. And so that came as a real shock. Um, And then the third one, by then we started to realize that actually I had a weak cervix. So they said, look, we can put in a stitch, but the only thing we have to warn you is sometimes doing that in itself can cause a miscarriage. And I felt, because I'd started later on life, that this was probably my last pregnancy, so I said, well, I don't want to risk a miscarriage, but if you think it's necessary, then obviously do it. But they said, well, everything looks fine at the moment, so let's see how it goes. But I got to about 22, 23 weeks, and I was being a lot more careful this time. But sadly, again, they, the cervix couldn't hold the weight, and I miscarried. Um, and I know that they have different ages in the UK, that if your baby's above a certain age, you actually have to have a funeral and register the birth and so on. So it was quite late on. So it's like, I deal with one thing and then the next thing would come. I deal with that, think I'm getting better. And then the next thing would come. So it was a very challenging season, very challenging season. Uh, But it did send me on a whole quest of exploring what life is about and faith and all sorts of things. Uh, And that's a whole diff- <laughs> different story. <laughs> but having recognized that actually, if I'd had better knowledge, tools, processes, I wouldn't have been stuck for so many years in pain and therapy of various kinds. Right. Um, so that's really having come through it. I now am really passionate about teaching people the knowledge, tools and processes that help them to be better equipped to move forward after loss and get their life back without spending years in pain and therapy.
0: That's great because a lot of people need that. They really do. There's, especially during COVID, we lost, uh, a lot of people lost their parents or their loved ones, their grandparents, and maybe they weren't allowed to be with them near the end, just like you, your mother was in Pakistan, you weren't near her. So a lot of us experienced that, that maybe wouldn't have it, there wasn't COVID. So I think a lot of people might still be stuck.
1: Absolutely. And I think in terms of people being stuck um, and the level of grief feelings that they're getting, there's usually a combination of factors. So one is the relationship that you had. Mm It was like, if it's a relationship where you hardly see the person except you know, at Christmas every 10 years or something, it's going to have a different impact than if you live with them 24-7 and they're a huge part of your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing uh, is the circumstances of the death. If they had a peaceful death and you had a chance to say everything you wanted to say, that's going to be very different than if they had a really tragic ending or a very painful um, death that you couldn't do anything about. Mm-hmm. Like with my sister, I was then stuck for years about what if this and what if that and what if the other. Uh, the other thing is, <clears throat> it depends on how resilient you are. If it's a bit like if you have a bank account that's you know kind of uh, healthy, then say you have to take out a chunk, you're still going to be okay. If you're nearly in the red and then another bill comes in, that will tip you over into, you know, not being able to cope. And so it's the same with uh, with grief, that if you've had a lot of unresolved grief, because grief doesn't just go away with time, not only is it negative, it's cumulative. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we say, imagine if you have a backpack and in there, like in my case, there was grief for my mother, my brother, various romantic breakups. Carbs, uh, changing continents, all sorts of things. So if you're carrying a heavy load already, then the next thing that comes along doesn't have to be a really major, it can just be what what they say, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, so it's to do with your capacity to take on and deal with more grief, and also you know, your resilience. So a combination of those things, um, can mean that you can end up with a prolonged grief disorder or complicated grief or intense grief. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't have the right knowledge, tools, and processes or understand what the underlying factors are, you can get stuck in in that pain for a long, long time. And so that's now why I'm passionate about what I do. Right. In fact, just today, I actually... had a client who finished my 12-week program. Sorry, one second. <clears throat> and when she came, I mean, obviously, I can't talk details, but when she came, she was in a very, very distressed state. She had been for various forms of counseling, but she just felt that the pain from her past, she just couldn't, Get over it and things that had been done to hurt her. She just couldn't forgive. And she was just really stuck with disappointments about how things had gone and so on. But after our 12 weeks, it's, she's re found her peace. She's made, she's managed to settle the past so she can be in the present and she can think about how she wants her future to be. Because when you're preoccupied with the pain of the past, It's difficult to be in the present and it's difficult to think about moving forward. So it was just so thrilling to see what transformation had actually happened during that time. And more importantly, she now has the knowledge, the tools and the processes that she can use for life. Right. Because grief is an ongoing thing. It's not like (laughs) it happens once and then that's it.
0: Right. It can happen over and over again. Like you were very unlucky. I didn't have a lot of people dying around me when I was very young. My mother died when I was 27, which was still young, but it wasn't horribly young. But then my grandmother didn't die for another 10 years. So some people have, you know, they lose grandparents when they're young children and their parents die younger. And and like you, you've had brothers and sisters. Um, I had, a brother die in his thirties, but other than that, they're, you know, they're still around and I'm one of 11. So I had a brother die from cancer. I had a brother die from suicide. And so, so I've had some grief, but certainly not as much as it seems like you had, but even sometimes one person dying cloak, that's very, very close to you can throw you into a tailspin and you do really need the tools to help you get out. Correct?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think there are a few misconceptions that it's really good to clear up. Mm-hmm. And so, one of them is that people sometimes think there's like a hierarchy of grief. <laughs> so, I remember recently somebody who was considering working with me saying, You know, it really upsets me when people say they lost their dog and they're devastated. I've lost my son. You know how can they compare the two? But the reality is, everybody feels their pain at a hundred percent. Right. And we don't know what the relationship of somebody is to their child. Right. I mean, it might be that the child was a nightmare, and they're quite relieved that something they're no longer there, threatening them, bullying them, and also, you know, you just don't know what the relationship is like and what we make things mean. Whereas that pet might have been given by you know a loved one who's no longer around and it's your only connection to them and you know it's like having a child because you're so attached to it so we encourage people not to compare their pain not to compare their journey uh, not to compare any of those things because each person is unique their ability to cope is unique because we don't know what else they're carrying right we don't what else has happened in their life? So, we, uh, you know, in the program, we talk about listening, being a listening heart, mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: because often when we listen, we tend to get into analysis and judgment and trying to fix people. But that's the last thing that somebody who's grieving needs. What they listen, what they need is to be listened to with respect and dignity, and allowed to speak without interruptions. Right judgment and all those things.
0: And they want to talk about the loved one that they lost. And some people don't want them to, because they feel like if you start talking about your loved one, you're going to be sadder, but they aren't necessarily sadder. They need to talk about, they don't, because if you don't talk about the one you lost, it's like they never existed and they did. So you do need to talk about them.
1: See, for some people, if processors that can be a way of them actually processing things mm-hmm. And it's um, you know if you don't understand, again, not only are we not taught how to handle our own grief, well, we're not taught how to support someone who is dealing with loss. And I remember um, you know, before I did my training and got better equipped of uh, my brother who was very stuck in his journey, He would talk over and over and we'd be saying, Look, you told us all that before, you know. We've all we've we've all suffered the bereavement. And and again, we didn't realise actually each person's response is unique. So we're going, You you know, it's time you moved on. We're having to move on. So you know (laughs) I cringe now when I think about the things we said, because we're not we were not equipped, we weren't taught any better. No. So learning to listen and allow the person to repeat things and being patient and compassionate is really important. And if you don't realize actually why they're doing what they're doing, you kind of do get like, yeah, 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 you've told us already. Yeah, yeah, we've heard it all before. Yeah, move on, change your tune. Right. That's right. really unhelpful.
0: Right. And I understand
1: that you have a guide that gives five
0: key steps to handling grief, and it's a free guide that you offer on your website. So tell us a little bit about that and how that might help.
1: Well, I think recognizing that we're not taught um, is a really good step, that the first step is to get yourself educated. Now, there are a lot more materials than when I was when I was young. And on my website, I regularly write a blog. If you're on LinkedIn, I regularly post things that help you to get a better understanding on handling grief, uh, coping strategies, and how you can get stuck and so on. So the first thing I would say is to educate yourself mm-hmm. and to understand what is grief, how does it impact you, how do you get stark and so on, because we need to know better in order to do better. Uh there is also the whole issue of recognizing misinformation. And I, you know, <clears throat> have started to call that um, like the misinformation minefield map. We need to have a map of the common sayings that people make that are not really very helpful mm-hmm. and by knowing what kind of things are like the common sayings that are unhelpful. Like, you know, people say, oh, just keep busy. Well, you can keep as busy as you like, but as soon as you stop, you're going to start thinking about things. Right. And there's a lot of misinformation about the five stages of grief. So I talk about how actually that's not a very helpful model because people are busy comparing themselves to where they should be on the model rather than honoring where they are in their own journey. Mm -hmm. Comparisons are never helpful. The other thing is that those stages were developed by studying people who were dying, not people who were grieving. Um, and so we also talk about recognizing that we can start developing um, feeling avoidance behaviors where we're actually turning to food or alcohol or exercise or shop, you know, becoming a shopaholic or a workaholic. Even good things like, for example, helping other people done to excess can end up actually um, distracting us from what we need to do to heal our own grief. So it's got lots of useful tips like that. And it also talks about the importance of self-care, that self-care isn't selfish. In order for you to be able to cope with the weight of loss that you're carrying, you need to build yourself up physically mentally emotionally socially um because people sometimes especially if you're naturally a giver Mm -hmm. uh, they give 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 and then when they're under pressure and stress and if they haven't learned how to say no they'll keep taking things on like i was i was i'm going to be strong i'm going to get through this i'm going to give it time i'll keep busy i turned to comfort eating and then but i didn't understand the mechanism so I was struggling for years with my weight and and I later and I always assumed oh yes it must be to do with puberty but actually that's around the time I lost my mom and I didn't make the connection mm-hmm. so getting better knowledge and tools and processes i think also recognizing when you need to involve professionals because there's like you know what what i would term as normal grief where you, you had a good relationship. You don't have any regrets. You're not stuck with feelings of guilt. You do miss them and you do feel sad, but it's like in perspective and you're kind of working your way through and you're feeling quite resilient and, and, and you've got a lot of capacity because you've dealt with things in the past. So those people, they will get through it. And I used to completely confuse me that some people would have a loss. And then they'd be getting on with their life and they wouldn't be all overwhelmed with sadness and regrets and guilt and shame. I couldn't figure out how they did it because I knew I was stuck for years. Right. So as part of my journey, actually, I, um, I decided I would study people who did seem to be able to move forward and get on with their life. And, and it was fascinating about how they thought about it, how they built up their resilience and all sorts of things. So a lot of my own personal experiences, as well as the trainings that I've had, uh, now help me to be equipped to help equip other people to handle their grief uh, more effectively and not get stuck. Sometimes people find it hard to believe that it is possible to move forward Mm-hmm. And some people fear moving forward because they make it mean that that's means they're not honoring the person that they've lost, or somehow it means they didn't love them as much. Right? If they really love them, then they should really suffer for years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some Crazy, people, huh? But yeah, and I think especially
0: it makes- when it's a spouse that you lose, you feel that way. That you know, I'm not honoring them by moving on.
1: Yes. In fact, I had a client um, who had a had a very difficult marriage, but then she had remarried and she was really happy. But her future was all wrapped up in this marriage, mm-hmm. and so when he died out of the blue, mm. um, it's like she lost her future, and she just spent most of her time crying, and she couldn't see a future. Yes. Um. And she wasn't sure if it was possible to get through it. So she, you know, I said, look, take as long as you need. And But when you're ready to move forward, I can help you. I can teach you knowledge, tools and processes that are really effective in getting you unstuck and helping you move forward. And she used to say, Oh, I don't know if I can face it. I don't know. It's too much, too emotional and it's too painful. And this went on for a little while. And in the end, I used to just check in regularly and say, How's it going? You know, you okay? One day she said, Oh, blow it. Let's just do it because I'm forever <laughs> feeling this way.
0: <laughs> and
1: it uh-huh. was amazing. In fact, on my website, she's actually um, done a, a testimonial.
0: Oh, that's great. Um,
1: Her name's Pascal, and she was very happy to share that, you know, she, her, really her grief was transformed to the point where she could see a future. In fact, I rang up one day uh, after some time just to say, how's it going? Are you still using the tools? And she giggled, and I said, what's happening? She said, I feel a bit embarrassed. I said, why is that? She said, well, I've met somebody else. I said, see? well, that's, that's, that's fantastic news. For me, that's success that you've been able to heal your past, that yep. you can see a future again, and you're able to move forward. And I jokingly said to her, well, you know, if it comes to marriage, make sure you send me an invitation. She giggled a bit more, and she said, actually, we have been having that conversation, but I'll be getting married in France. So I thought, oh, okay. Maybe a little far, but I was so thrilled, you know, to see this person who had lost all hope, lost her future, now having the right knowledge, tools, and processes, make peace with her past, so she can be in the present, right? Make better choices about creating a future that you know is a life well lived. So that's why I'm so passionate about what I do. That yeah, uh, it brings hope to situations. And I and I remember when I was in the depths of it, I couldn't imagine that life could ever have joy again. I couldn't imagine I could possibly move forward. Mm-hmm. Or it just it just seems so overwhelming, the emotions.
0: Right. I can imagine.
1: Uh, yeah, no, it's so exciting. So exciting.
0: So tell us where um my audience can find your your free guide and more information about your program. So if they're interested, they can sign up, give us all that information again. And then I will include it in the show notes for anyone who can't write it down, but yes. you know, you might as well give it to us one more time.
1: Yes. So if you can, oops, wrong hand. <laughs> if you can see uh, there. <laughs> yes. Well, some people
0: are only going to hear the podcast. Oh, of course. Yes. 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 So yes. make sure you Let say, me say it. it. Let me say it.
1: Yeah. Right. So my website is www.handling-grief.com. Okay. And on there is the testimonials. There's a bit about why I do what I do. There's a blog where I share all sorts of useful information. And there's a number of free guides that you can download. I've got the five key steps, and I've also got the 10 common mistakes. And then for those who are looking for uh, to learn how to help people who are handling loss, I've also got some other guys that they can check out and I can put the show notes, uh, give you the links for the show notes. Okay, great. I have a free um, Facebook community because one of the things that can happen is you can feel very isolated and, and so on. Mm -hmm. Some people are very welcome to join that. And if they want to ask questions or they can just consume my posts, usually there's something about, you know, how can you use creativity or self-care or those things. I also, if somebody is not sure whether they're stuck and they need professional help or they know they need professional help, but they're not sure if this is the right thing for them or if I'm the right fit for them, Mm -hmm. I do offer a free discovery call where the purpose of that is really to find out and understand thoroughly what you're dealing with, how it's impacting your life, how long it's been going on, how urgent it is to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then if you're in a position to invest the time and the finances and the energy and you want to move forward, then and we feel like we're a good fit, then we actually can talk in more details and get you started on your healing journey. Obviously, sometimes people are not ready or sometimes finances is an issue. So I wouldn't want that to be in the way. So I, I offer a payment plan. But more importantly, if finance is a real issue, you can join the free Facebook community. You can consume my content for free on my blog posts and newsletters.
0: Right. And on. <laughs> right. And that's excellent. I think the Facebook group is good <laughs> because sometimes when you um, – You're dealing with a really terrible loss. It is helpful to be around people who have also just had a loss because you're just talking to your friends who they still have their husband, they still have their children. They don't understand what you're going through. But a Facebook group can be very helpful for these people during their grief.
1: Absolutely. And I regularly, I mean, I regularly post. And obviously, then it's up to people. Whether they want to just consume, or if they have a question, mm-hmm. or if they want to share their story, or they, you know, or whatever, right? Uh, it's still fairly new, so it's not like a really active Facebook group yet, mm-hmm. yet. But it's got the potential to be whatever people want it to be.
0: Right. I think yeah. that's great. Well, yeah. thank you for joining us today. I mean, you've shared so much helpful information. I know it's going to be valuable for my Boomer audience. So I'd like to thank you for coming on. And I will have all of your <laughs> contact information in the show notes so that anyone who needs to contact you can do it. And I hope they will. If they are
1: really stuck, I hope they will. Yes. And can I just share one more thing? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yep. So for all the the boomers out there, Mm -hmm. I just want to encourage you to um, turn whatever pain you've been through into your own purpose Mm -hmm. and not think it's too late to do something that can be a blessing and an impact to others. So I had a lot of um, uh, unhelpful comments from people because... This has been on my heart for a long time, but I was busy raising my family and then I was busy working. And I thought, if not now, when? Right. And so, the year in, uh, so in 2020 is when I thought, finally, do I, let me put my money where my mouth is, get some training so I'm equipped to help. And then it's about 19 months now since I actually resigned from my safe part-time job, Wow. which I was going to hang on to until I retired in a couple of years' time. And I thought, no, if I'm really serious, I need to follow my passion and do what I can. And so somebody helped me to think about, well, you know, one day when you die, what are you going to see on your very last day? And when he did this visioning exercise, I just saw thousands of people. And he said, what are they doing? I said, well, they seem to be smiling. It's as if they've come to thank me for... Helping them with the pain of their grief. They've come to celebrate my life and to thank me. And it's very vivid, very emotional. But afterwards, I thought, oh, my idea of I'll help one or two people now and then one or two more people when I retire isn't going to get me from here to there. No. And Mm -hmm. so I actually decided to invest in getting some training because I knew a lot about grief. I knew anything about business or setting <laughs> up a private practice or social media and all those sorts of things. Right. And you know, I was so <clears throat> driven by the mission, I thought, well, people will help me, you know, if this is something that is truly my purpose. And then, you know, openings like yourself, you know, giving me an opportunity to share my story and encourage people to right. get better baby- equipped. Because so I would, if you're a baby boomer out there and you've been thinking about something you want to do to leave a legacy and impact the world. I say, take a first step, be brave and do it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That's the whole message of my podcast. Yes. Get out there and do especially yeah. things that you feel very passionate about and that yes. you know can help other people. Just yes. do it.
1: Yes. Right? And if I can do it, they right. certainly can. <laughs>
0: baby steps, little bit at a time. And you, you know, Absolutely. we all start small and we grow and we grow as a business person, as a coach, as a podcaster, whatever it is, you grow as you go along. You're always going to look back at those first, like when I started in podcasting, the, the guy that gave me the training, he <laughs> said, later on, you'll listen to those early podcasts and cringe. You'll go, oh my, I was was so awful, but you have to start You're you have to just jump in and start you get better as you go and you can't get better until you start.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's anybody out there who has a podcast and has an audience that would benefit from my message, please do get in touch. And I was really so excited when I discovered that I love being a guest on a podcast if I have to make a little video to explain something, I can't remember my own name. I'm going, uh, well, my name is, uh, uh, but I realized I actually love just being interviewed and chatting and sharing my knowledge. Yeah,
0: it's, it's really awesome. a conversation. Yeah. So I'm sure you'll be on many more. And once <laughs> mine is live, you'll be able to share it on your website. And then more people will say it and say, I think I'll have her as a guest. She was so Interesting and helpful because well, I would love to be so many people out there that need your help. There really are, they are stuck, stuck, <clears throat> stuck. So, you know, and boomers, especially because, you know, like I've been married 53 years, you know if I lose my husband, that's like 53 years gone. It can be difficult. It can be very difficult. So I know there's lots (laughs) of boomers out there that are dealing with either a child that they lost, which is also difficult or spouse. So we do need help. And we know that society used to just think, well, someone dies and you get over it. But now we know differently. You don't. We need help a lot of times. We need education. And that's what people like you are there for. So I really appreciate it.
1: I think the other thing sometimes people don't realize is there is such a thing as anticipatory grief. Mm -hmm. I had a client whose mom was diagnosed with very serious dementia and she couldn't recognize her own daughter sometimes. And so she didn't understand that there's such a thing as anticipatory grief. And she was, she was just really, really struggling and feeling overwhelmed. And she said, I don't understand because she hasn't died. So why am I feeling all these feelings? <laughs> so when we were able to actually process the anticipatory grief,
0: right. it meant
1: she could be much more present being with her mom, and making sure that they live a full a full life for however long she's got, so there are no regrets later on.
0: Yes. So
1: if you're being debilitated by that thought of how will I cope, you know, if something happens right. again, don't feel you've got to wait until it happens to get help.
0: Yeah. Well, because when they first started to get dementia, you're grieving the mother you knew, the mother that knew you, and now she doesn't know you anymore. So there's all that grief. And then, you know, you're trying to do your best and help them. So yeah, I can understand that you could really use a little bit of help with that. So that when they do pass, you don't have regrets. Regrets are awful to live with. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah
1: and and as we were saying earlier grief isn't just about bereavements mm-hmm. every time something comes to an end yep. whether there's a change in a familiar pattern of behavior whether it's your health right whether it's your finances whether it's your job role uh, whether, whether it's, it's
0: retirement because some people retirement. retire it's and moving. everything's so different and yes. you, and if, especially if you've been very um like you've had a really high end job Yes. And you were somebody that everyone looked up to, and now you're retired
1: yes. and you kind of disappear. That's yes. very
0: difficult. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think so, things like moving, because when you move, you, there are so many losses of yes. familiarity, people you leave behind, being yep. known and knowing people, feeling belonging. Yes. And um, there, you know, uh, in fact, I've been working on a blog recently which talks about that being over 40 different events that can produce feelings of loss and grief. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, that I think can be very helpful. So yeah, there's all kinds of grief when we, you know, like we were talking before that if you woman has cancer and she loses her breast, she's going to, you know, kind of grieve the loss of her breast because it's a part of her body and for women it's part of our identity. So that's another loss that it's not a death, but it's a loss, and you might need help with that. So lots of different ways that we grieve and we and we grieve over different losses so yeah i think people can use help with in a lot of different ways.
1: Yes. Yes, as soon as you as soon as you've tried things and you're feeling you're not making progress. Right. You're feeling overwhelmed by sadness or or numbness or anger, resentment, bitterness, some forgiveness, especially guilt. Shame, all those sorts of things. And you just keep going round and round that same loop. That's a good sign to reach out.
0: Yeah. It's a good sign you need help and you won't get better without somebody helping you. So I think that's excellent in those
1: situations. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, thank you for being my guest. This has been thank you for
1: having me. It's been such a pleasure.
0: It has been. So thank you. And I know my audience is going to love you. So thank you very much. Looking to take your podcast to the next level with video? Are you looking to develop a podcast but don't know where to start? From recording and editing to final distribution and marketing, we can help every step of the way to make your podcast stand out and get the results it deserves. Contact us today at premierpodcastpros.com to take your podcast to the next level.